your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to the Monday version of Lacrosse Talk PM. Like the guy just said, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. And if you want to get in here, now's the time to do it. I got about 24 minutes before Chris Woodard, a lacrosse city councilman, but also a candidate for state office comes on and he's going to join me about the bottom half of the hour. He's running against Jill Billings for Wisconsin's 95th assembly district, which is essentially it's lacrosse. And then some of the outskirts of lacrosse that I can never remember. I'm sorry. Uh, I guess maybe town of Shelby, Campbell, some of the French Island. So if you got questions on what a state assembly person and Chris is running as a Republican, what he might want, what you might want from him as, as your rep here in the cross, send me a text 608-785-7914, or you can call me right now and, and explain it. Uh, when I bring Chris on, I've got a pretty full docket, so I'm not going to subject him to uh, to anything after that except text questions. But some of the things that I I, I think would be important to talk about were funding and ed- education, and as uh, as we have all these referendums up for ballot, even just in the, the in the area, but we have a record setting amount of money on the ballot for November. Uh, even the UW lacrosse has a lot of money. They're asking the state to, to fund. And that's a little different. What UW lacrosse is asking versus what, uh, like the lacrosse school district, Holman and, and on Alaska are asking for and Bangor. So asking directly extra taxpayer money, right? They're asking to raise your taxes to help fund these schools where UW lacrosse is funded already by your taxes and they just have projects. Here's the projects we have. So, uh, that's one of the things, um, Chris wanted to bring up legalizing marijuana, which I think there's a literally a story on the wire today about, about that. I'm trying to, I have too many tabs open, so I'm not going to be able to find it. I have, these are the these are the headlines today. It's always it's always interesting because I think a lot of the Friday news dumps and what happens over the weekend end up on the wire later on a Monday. But Gableman will represent a man charged with the fast false ballot request. So that's one of the stories where this guy he uh, went online and requested absentee ballots for Assembly Speaker Robin Voss and and 13 other people to get the ballots sent to his house. I think he asked some of those 13 other people. I think he was the one that asked permission to do this, to uh, weed out the vulnerabilities of the election system. And then he turned himself in, essentially saying, hey, look, see, Uh, but that's just step one. I guess this reminds me, I kind of want to have like the county clerk or the city clerk or maybe even someone in the state uh, break down the the checks and balances with why this scheme wouldn't have worked. Because if he gets Robin Voss's ballot and then 
fills it out and signs it and sends it in and has someone witness sign it, right? And then turns it in or whatever. Uh, where does it get flagged? At what point would it get flagged? How quickly would it get flagged? Or would, would Robin Voss's ballot get flagged when he goes to vote in person? Because that's what Robin Voss would, of course, do. So that's one headline. The other one, uh, GOP election year standing with independents at risk. Um, and this story is a little bit about Ron Johnson and the the uh, electoral voting scheme that was happening right as, you know, like the, the casting electoral votes in Wisconsin. The Democrats were doing that, but also the Republicans were doing their own version of that. Um, Wisconsin governor challenged to stop all inmate inmate paroles. So we have a governor's race, right? And Tim Michaels says he wants to stop all inmate paroles, stop them all. And uh, he's challenging Governor Evers about that. Um, something we talked about the other day was just the, the idea of debates. Uh, we talked about this Friday with UW lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Jagoski, who has hosted multiple debates, even in 2020. We, he, he, I don't know if you want to say hosted, but uh, moderated, that's the word. And the, I thought they went really well. And now uh, Derek Van Orden says he doesn't want the media or UW lacrosse affiliated with the debates because of bias. And um, that's, that's unprecedented at this point. So uh, it was funny because I, I don't often listen to Hannity, but it happened to be on when I was, I was kind of taking notes here. And, and Hannity talked about some Democratic uh, candidate in some state. I don't know. He's got the whole country to talk about, right? Like, so he's just going to pick and choose. But he picked this particular area where the Democrat didn't want to debate. And he said he's, he, he called the, the Democrats scared of the media and, uh, you know, didn't want didn't, didn't to fess up for all Joe Biden's losses and didn't want to answer to those questions from the media. And so, like, it's, it's, we have this. I mean, it's just the talking point, right? Like, we just, we just pick that and say that's the thing, but we just flip the D and the R, right? Like, we just say, eh, the Democrat is mad about it. He doesn't want to fess up to the media. Eh, the Republican's mad about it. He doesn't want to fess up to the media. He doesn't want to answer the media's questions. Uh, it's really easy to do. Um, and I think the media is better than that. So I think if we had a debate here between Van Orden and PAF, it would be, it would be good. I think it would, it would get to the issues. I, I haven't reached out to Van Orden. I keep thinking, I keep waiting for an opening to reach out to Van Orden and have him on the show uh, to talk so, talk about some of the issues, um, like I am doing with Woodard today. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see where that goes. I mean, if it would be, I think it'd be an interesting conversation. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk and text line. Eric's calling in. Eric. Eric. Hello. Yeah, Eric, you're on the air. Go ahead. Uh I have a couple questions for you. Easy ones, by the way. Where did Brewer ship Josh Hader? Padres? San Diego. Huh? The, what? Yeah, San Diego. Yes, you're right. Hey, one Padres. more question. One-fifth of one billion dollars of voice out of taxpayers of lacrosse vote no. Okay, well, it's Eric from Sparta, who's Sparta School District, voted no on a referendum back in 2020. I think that no, back in April. Uh, so he's saying vote no on on a, on a new high school. Uh, it might be something we get into. It's a state issue a little bit, and maybe Chris Woodard has an opinion. Anyway, we got to take a break. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM six zero eight 
785-7914. Stone Temple Pilots, they were in town last weekend. Down at the Copeland Park. Pretty good concert. Soul Asylum as well. Talking about a bunch of different things. Kind of throwing kind of throwing the what, throwing the frisbee for you guys to go catch it? Is that no? <laughs> uh I was throwing the frisbee for my friend's dog the other day who's like two years old. And it was bringing back memories of my now 12-year-old dog sprinting hundreds of yards to, to catch my disc golf frisbee, uh, which she doesn't do anymore because she's 12. Um, all right, Dan wanted to get in here. Dan, go ahead. You're on the air. Thanks, Rick. Uh, you know, fall is coming, and that's when the medical people are all telling us to get vaccinated. And uh, Denmark, just recently, the health authority has announced that it is halting COVID vaccinations for people under 50. So people over 50, they can get it, but they're not offering it to people under 50, except for those who are, you know, high risk and all that. And the health care and seniors are workers in close contact with uh, people they might want to get it. But, you know, just a year or two years ago, the schools, the colleges were requiring all the students to get vaccinated. And if they got sick, they got quarantined. And like I said, a difference in a year. And I'm just wondering what our schools are doing right now with those who may not have taken a third, fourth, or fifth dose. Are they uh, pushing, supporting, inviting that they all get this? Or are we going to follow as Denmark and not offer uh, make it available for people under 50, which would be a prudent thing since the president just said last night the pandemic is over. All right. Thanks for the call, Dan. A whole bunch of not true going on there. Denmark did not ban COVID-19 vaccines for people under 50. Uh, if you Google that and then, you know, click a bunch of links, you can essentially find that that is a false story. So there's that. Uh, schools did not require students to get vaccinated. It's not a requirement. We don't have a vaccine mandate here. Federal workers, I believe, at some in some degrees, and maybe even all degrees, I think we're required to get vaccinated, like in that, uh, you know, armed forces members, stuff like that. Uh, so federally, I think there was a vaccine mandate. I'm not a federal worker, so I didn't really worry about it. Uh, but schools, not yes. When kids got COVID, they had to go home and quarantine. Early in the pandemic, they took every precaution to do that. Later in the pandemic, they scaled those days down quite a bit. And I think that that it became more and more relaxed as we learn more about COVID and vaccinations became more prevalent, uh, you know, throughout the U.S. So just the idea that uh, so so not that's also not happening. Um, schools, third, fourth, fifth dose. I don't know how many doses we're at. I had two. I'm 40. I don't, I don't think there's a fourth and a fifth, but I, at, at this point, I'm not diving into it. And, um, yeah, so just a whole lot of misrepresentation going on there from Dan's call. 608-785-7914. Um, all right, let's see. Let, we'll, we'll get back into some of the stuff I was talking about. And Chris Woodard's going to join me. He is a, a lacrosse city council member. It's this, like, rookie campaign for being on the city council, but he's going to use that to run – for assembly here in the state, running against Jill Billings. I always hesitate now to say it's Jill Billings because I want to say Jennifer Schilling. I did that to her face the other day, and then I just curled up in the fetal position and said sorry. 
Uh, but yeah, Joe Billings is the state rep here in the 95th Assembly District. Uh, been doing that a little over, I think, 10, uh, I think 12 years. I think this is her 12th year. I think this term was her sixth. Um, and yeah, she. so Chris Woodard is going to run against her in this district. And so it's the first time running, and we're going to talk about some of the issues that not city council issues, but state issues. So we're going to change it up a little bit. Chris has come on my show multiple times to talk about different things the city council is doing. And when I called him up and asked him to come on, he he immediately went to city council mode and said, yeah, we have the JNA agenda coming up. And I was like, oh, really? Because I, I feel like this is like the, the downtime in the city council. And it is. But he's all he's all raring to go for, for city council talk, which we don't have to do for two weeks. Thank goodness. Uh, but the JNA agenda... That uh, comes out in two weeks and one day. So we got some time. So I could always bring Chris back on to talk about that as well. Um, but we're going to talk about legalizing marijuana or cannabis or weed, however you want to, whatever you want to talk about there, or however you want to describe it. Uh, Chris wanted to talk about crime, the, I think in relation to drugs. So, and also that relates to marijuana, but like in other drugs, I think fentanyl's getting into all the drugs and just really screwing up a lot of people's lives. And uh, making it really hard for law enforcement as well. Um, transportation. You want to talk about transportation a little bit. Uh, on the south side of La Crosse, we are putting in five roundabouts. I think we're we're right in the middle of putting two in on the very south side. It's always a fun topic to talk about. I always break, make the joke that we need to put a roundabout by the quick trip where the Chick-fil-A just went in. And I think a five guys is going in there as well. Um, it's not like, it's not the worst thing to get out of that quick trip really but i haven't really had a problem but if there are a bunch of cars waiting i turn right and go towards dick sporting goods so uh that was another thing on the uh, on the agenda and then chris wanted to talk about bipartisanship which is always i think and i think maybe he wants to talk about it in this regard just the all the the great talking point with a lot of people running for office is how we need to come together i think brad paff's like the greatest uh orator of of saying how we need to come together and Brad Pass running for uh, Congress in the U.S. House of Representatives here in the 3rd Congressional District. And he comes on here and says that a lot. And then I will say, it, like, how? How are we doing that? So uh, it's always interesting in that regard. How do we come together? So Chris wants to talk about that. We'll see how he does uh, with that conversation. Um, and I threw a couple other things at him, like funding education. Uh, that's that's a, on my agenda anyway. And and just that the, the school district of La Crosse, right, has 190. $4.7 million proposal to build a new high school on the south side, 40-acre plot there at the old train company headquarters. And uh, instead of going the route that Onalaska and Holman seem to be taking, where you take it a, a little a little more than half or a little less than half, a little, little less than half, I should say, uh, where Holman and Onalaska are, using, are asking taxpayers for $75 million to basically update their buildings uh, and get them up to to snuff. However, that however you want to, you know, describe that. But the buildings, but it is to me the it is funny if if all these school districts and we're as a state we're asking taxpayers for extra money everywhere. Uh, we did this we did this in April. We asked taxpayers in eighty in sixty five. Of the 81 referendums passed. So 81 school districts said, hey, taxpayers, can you pay us more money? We got to update our schools. We got to upgrade our schools. We got to, you know, just get the buildings up to snuff. 
and other things. I'm just saying that's part of it. 65 school referendums passed, $860 million. So that was in April. And now, again, we're back at it. And at least, and this was at the end of August, so this could have changed, but at least 50 Wisconsin school districts are asking the voters for $1.9 billion in borrowing, the most ever, for the November ballot. And La Crosse is the highest one now. La Crosse is the highest of these 50 school districts with that $194.7 million referendum. But we're at a $1.9 billion. So in my head, there's like red flag there. Like what as a state aren't we doing that these buildings and these school districts keep going back to the taxpayers to ask for more money? Perhaps the state needs to address this in, in, in session. Perhaps we need to figure it out as lawmakers need to figure this out. So one of the things I want to bring up with Chris. All right. Got to take another break. Scott. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Chris Woodard is in on the phone with me now. Hi, Chris. Hey, Rick. <laughs> well, how's it going? Welcome back. Now I'm I'm uh, Assembly Rep candidate Chris Woodard as opposed to City Council member Chris Woodard. That's what we're doing today. Yeah. I will say, I, I do have this piece of news, Chris, I just wanted to bring up, but I meant I had the whole first half of the show to do it. But an Onalaska high schooler, a senior there, Daniel Yao, uh, he 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 took a an AP test, an advanced placement test for U.S. government and politics. Three hundred thousand five hundred fifty-eight students globally took that exam. Daniel scored perfect. He's one of twenty-one students to get a perfect score on this among about three hundred and three hundred thousand six hundred students. So, on Alaska yeah. senior. Yeah. Well, congratulations <laughs> to Daniel. That's a uh... Some outstanding work. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Uh, 300,600 students, and he is one of 21 to get a perfect AP score. On, uh, and also in, you know, government and politics. I wonder, you know, how many state reps and, and federal, you know, politicians, if they took the same exam, I wonder how they would do. That'd be funny to have them. We should mandate that. We're, do, we're mandating stuff. Let's mandate they take the AP test. That would be pretty funny. How do you think you would do, Chris? <laughs> um, I, I think I would probably score in the higher... Uh, Higher, what do you want to call them? The the tiles. I'm sure I'd be like ninety to ninety five percent somewhere in there. All right, we'll get we'll get the copy of the test from Daniel and have you take it. Um, All right. Well, Chris Woodard's running against Jill Billings in the ninety fifth Assembly District. Jill's been in office for about a little over, I think, six terms. I think she's at twelve the twelve year mark. Chris is uh, you you're using your city council uh, win just last election right to to propel yourself into the state assembly. Yeah, it's uh kind of always been something I've been interested in and uh, I couldn't see a better time than now. Now, when when you decide to run, how how difficult is it to do this and also be a city council member and also, you know, have a 9 to 5 or a 40 hour a week or maybe 50, 60 hour a week job? How tough has that been? Uh, well, it's kind of like, you know, when you go to the circus and you watch the people juggle, it's like that. Uh but you got to be really good at it. You can't let anything drop. Uh, it's it's something that you got to prepare your family for because uh, you're gone quite a bit. Uh, and they they know that as well, um, and you just got to keep working. Now, what what have you what what kind of strategies have you devised to to get the word out that you're running, and then get people uh, knowledgeable with uh, with how you feel about certain issues besides coming on Wisdom today? Uh, so. There's a lot of uh, great people who are helping me out behind the scenes, uh, people that either ran, have some knowledge, um, and they've kind of 
equip my arsenal with uh, good tools to use uh, to run and uh, had some really good help from people around the state too and words of encouragement to to run and uh, if there was any uh, any questions ever none of them would be hesitant to pick up the phone and answer my my question well and then on the flip side obviously people want to know what you stand for and if they aren't hearing this you know if they if, if they don't hear what we were talking about if it's not something that they they're interested in but we didn't hit on today uh, how how can they get a hold of you just you know after the show is there a is it what's the best way to get a hold of you in in terms of asking you questions about the campaign yeah so there's several ways uh one of them would be facebook uh, there's chris woodard for state assembly on there uh, and that has all the links to 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 my website too there's a website chris woodard for uh, wisconsin state assembly uh out there and that has all my contact information as well if you're ever interested in reaching out to me um otherwise you can shoot my shoot me an email uh chris woodard for state assembly at gmail.com all right yeah the best way i think uh if you're a facebook user use facebook if you're if you just want to google chris woodard for assembly then you'll find his website and you should be able to contact him on there um all right so some of the issues that we were that i brought up before i brought you on uh, I talked about education a little bit and funding education. We can get into that in a little in a little bit, but I did I did kind of and you you kind of hinted at this too. Um, all the politicians running, almost all of them, I think a lot of them run, and and part of their campaign is to talk about bipartisanship and how we need to come together as a as a you know a voting base as a country as a representative in office. The all the politicians need to come together, work together to get things done. Um, you probably feel the same way, but do you have a different take on this? I, I do have a different take on it. Um, you know, if we look, look back to what uh, we've done in the city council, there's been things that maybe I didn't totally agree with, but uh, it would be something that I would vote for because I know it was something good for the city. And I feel I would take the same to Madison. And, uh, you know, when you go down there, you see the one simple word of forward. And, uh, you know, if we keep being de- divisive like we have been the last couple of years, we're not going to move forward. And I think that's key. We need to you know, reach across the aisle, work with those things. There's going to be things that the other side doesn't like, and there's going to be sides that, you know, my side doesn't like. Uh, but I look at myself as being down the middle. I'm not far right, far left. I don't even like those labels. Um, is there any particular issue where you see, uh, you know, there's, where you're you're running as a Republican, and it's it's more of a, a Democratic uh, issue that well, maybe leans more Democratic, but you kind of agree with. Uh yeah, I think uh, right off the bat, I I think legalizing both re- recreational and uh, medicinal marijuana is definitely something that you'd see on the Democratic side versus the Republican side. And you 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 agree with that, obviously. Uh yeah, I. I think for far too long we've seen you know nearby states benefiting off the revenue from out-of-state sales, and it's about time that Wisconsin acts and secures those funds for itself and its interests. Now, why do you think that's such a divisive issue? Is it is it simply because of politics, or do you think there's more to it than that? Where where you know I don't think every Demo- I think Steve Doyle just the north of us in that assembly, he kind of says the same thing you do. He says in his heart, I believe I believe this is Steve Doyle. I think he's okay with medical marijuana, but isn't isn't on board yet with uh, it recreationally. That was the the thing two years ago. But he said a lot of the constituents. He puts out a survey, asks his constituents, and they say 
you know, legalize it. So he says legalize it because that's where his people fall. Um, right. I, I think we saw that a uh, couple years ago when there was that referendum question that was asked. 63% of lacrosse residents voted in favor of legalizing marijuana. Now, do you have any hesitation there? I mean, have you have you gone to certain groups that say, no, we don't want to do that, and ask them why? Yeah, I think there is uh, probably more than a few people out there who who would you know point you into uh, say like a substance use uh, something like that that would they're kind of hesitant because they feel like this might lead into other you know other drugs or something which yeah the gateway drug right it's yeah a gateway drug. which I don't believe is at all true um, I think. You know, from my perspective, we're looking at it in a, a tax revenue kind of base. Um, we're, we're talking like hundreds of millions of dollars that both Illinois and Michigan are separately making for tax revenue. Uh, and I can guarantee you, if you went up there, how many Wisconsin plates would you see? Quite a few. Okay, so so monetarily, this makes sense. But let's let's do this. Like like the state legalizes medical or, or recreational marijuana, makes a whole bunch of money on it. Uh, what what are we going to do with that money? Because Chris, we're sitting on five billion dollars in estimated tax surplus, and we're just we've been sitting on uh, over at least over three billion since February. But that number has grown since February, uh, and we're doing the state legislature has been out of session since March. I always I always bring this up at least a couple times a week. Hey, we've been out of session since March. Uh, we've got $5 billion in budget surplus. We're doing nothing with it. A lot of states all over the country are doing stuff with the budget surplus. Yeah, I, I think, you know, with that tax revenue that was made, we could focus on these focus on these issues that we've for so long struggled with. Uh, you know, example, funding roads. We never have enough money to fund all the roads. And I think we've all been down 3rd and 4th Street a couple times and uh, prefer not to travel that way because your car might fall apart. Uh, I think, you know, that would be a huge area where funding could be, that funding could be utilized. Uh, same with education. Uh, for the money, the amount of money that would be brought in, I think it, it only makes sense because we have places that desperately need funding. Now, do you, do you see what the, the Governor Evers has proposed with not just not just with funding education, but with the budget surplus itself? I think he's. He, in February, he had a special session. Republicans ignored it, and we don't have to get into that just yet. But the idea that he's in multiple different ways, Governor Evers has proposed uh, funding public education in different ways. Have you have you dived into a lot of that stuff, or do you agree or disagree with the, the way he wanted to do that? Um, I wouldn't say I totally agree, but I would say that you know I I do think that a portion of that surplus should be should be sent back to taxpayers, not the whole thing. But at least a small portion of it, because this rightfully their their money. Um, you could also, you know, use that surplus to cut income taxes for middle class families, uh, and even looking at funding, you know, the money that you lose from the eliminating the personal property tax. Yeah, I think uh, you know part of his part of his proposals were, you know, I, I believe it was. I'm going to get the number wrong because I'm going to mess up mess up uh, what Scott Walker did. I think Scott Walker was a $100 child tax credit four years ago, and we got those checks right around school time and right before the election, and people made a big fuss about that. Evers proposed a $150 rebate to taxpayers, and I think there was a cap on how much money you made. 
in terms of like it was capped. So if you were high income, you weren't getting 150 bucks. But if you were lower income, you were. I mean, that was all part of his budget, and 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 you know that that didn't get passed. That I mean that or that was all part of the the session that didn't you know didn't get debated on. I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't have that answer for you right now, Rick, on how you know you would pick who would get the money. I think that's something that would need to be really looked at and because whether you're low or you're high income, you're all spending money in the state. Um, well, at least I hope so. <laughs> Is it one of those? Uh, okay. We're speaking with Chris Woodard. He's running for assembly here in the 95th district. He's the Republican going against Democrat Jill Billings. Um, Chris, is it a matter of, do you, do you have any hesitation about like bringing stuff like that up if you were to get into office because A, you'd be a rookie uh, assembly person and then, but, but some of that stuff you agree with, uh, you know, legalizing weed or, or giving some of that money back, but we didn't do anything with the budget surplus. I don't know how much, how much of that would you would you bring up? Well, I think as as a representative of the assembly, I think that's your job is to you know bring up things like this, and I wouldn't hesitate at all to speak up because uh, that's what people would elect me to do would be to speak up and uh, make things right. Um, I'm getting a text here. It says, uh, you know, not not just in terms of revenue. When we go back to your take on medical marijuana or legalizing recreational marijuana. Uh, a texter said people have actually died because they could not access medical marijuana to control, uh, you know, particular uh, forms of of nausea, particularly when undergoing chemotherapy. This is from a texter. Um, and, and, you know, that gets into minutia of, of the, you know, the health benefits of marijuana. I don't know if you're an expert there, but you're speaking monetarily. But this this texter says there's other reasons for uh, legalizing this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. There's, you know, medicinal purposes for it, too. And uh you know, kind of, kind of talking. At some point, we'll probably talk about crime too. I think that legalizing it uh, cuts into, you know, the pockets of those illicit drug dealers. And uh, you know, we've seen over in Massachusetts, I believe it was, where people are starting to lace uh, marijuana with fentanyl. I mean, obviously, if something's uh, regulated by the state, it's going to be somewhat safe. Uh, actually, a hundred percent, hundred percent safe. Uh, and I, I guess it's a no-brainer at this point. Yeah, and then that gets the, another thing you wanted to bring up was just the the idea of crime and and you know separating I guess separating marijuana use and crime versus because I've I've talked to Lacrosse County Sheriff's candidates and the Lacrosse Police have I think you know that as a city council member the Lacrosse Police Police have uh, you made it a dollar fine I think if you have what twenty five grams or point two five I can't remember the the amount the weight. Because they always do it in grams. If it was like a quarter ounce, then I would remember. But uh, you know, it's a dollar fine for having just a little bit of marijuana if you're caught with that. But uh, sheriff's candidates have said they've they've kind of they have better things to worry about than people uh, caught with marijuana, and it's just kind of one of the things that gets ignored, unless they're you know impaired and stuff like that. But just caught with right. it. Um, but that gets into you know one of the other things you wanted to bring up, and just crimes. What what's your take on the the you know, I, I guess it's in relation to drugs. Yeah, I think uh, you know we've seen some sort of a uptick of you know drug-related activities, crimes. Um, you know, I, I'm not I'm not an expert by this by any means. That's uh, we'll leave that to the police because they do an excellent job of controlling this. But I I think you know the rise in con- crime is quite concerning and quite frank frankly unacceptable. And uh, 
I think that you and me might be able to agree that this is driven somewhat by uh, the judges and prosecutors who refuse to hold the criminals accountable. You know, I think we need to continue supporting our law enforcement, hire more law enforcement, and, yeah, go from there. Yeah, I think the dichotomy there with hiring more law enforcement is the, the amount of people that apply for these jobs is smaller. And, you know, so the pool of candidates is is, is less. Therefore, you're not going to have great, as great a candidates. Um, yeah, the idea, you, you know, the other thing you said is 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 holding people accountable, essentially, for, for the crimes they do and not letting them out. Uh, I want to say that that happens in, you know, if you want to use lacrosse County, I want to say that happens. Like somebody will get out and then they'll immediately go back and do something. And you're like, why did that, why was that person able to get out? And I guess that's the system that we have. And there's loopholes there where, you know, you, you just look at that person. You're like, what, why did the judge, you know, have the bail set at a signature bond or a low cash bond there? And you just kind of slap your forehead. But I want to say that, that, that number is pretty small, but the, the outliers there are great, right? Like, you're like, wow, that was really stupid. That person was able to get out of jail. But that's like, you know, less than 1% of the people that are that are using that, you know, signature bond or low-cash bond. Yeah. Um, it, I, I guess we just, it makes the headlines more. Um, I've never sat in on a on any of these criminal trials. I, quite frankly, don't have that much time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, it would be nice to be able to talk you know, talking with the the DA about this on my show, we've we've done that quite a bit. But like, you know, could we ask a judge? They're elected officials, right? Could we ask the judge, "Hey, why did you do that for this particular person?" That would be that would be interesting to be able to do. But they they often can't talk about this stuff. They often don't talk in general, but they often can't talk about this stuff until that trial is resolved. Right, right. It's always interesting. Um, all right, Chris. Anything? Anything else? I I know. Did we do roads? We kind of did roads generally, but anything else that you wanted to bring up? Um, yeah, I think on on the roads too. I I don't at all support uh, you know raising the gas tax or eliminating that gas tax. I think we do need to, as we see more vehicles on the road that are powered by you know electricity, uh, alternative fuels. I think that we we do need to make sure that we're collecting the correct amount of money from those vehicles, because if we're all driving electric cars, well, obviously we're not going to be able to pay for roads from any road tax. So I think that we need to maybe examine that a little bit. Yeah, the the idea that there's going to be, or, or the increasing number of EVs that are on the road and hybrid vehicles that are using less gasoline or no gasoline at all, and we're paying for our roads based on a gas tax that's you know, dwindling. And to make up for that, we would raise the gas tax and put that bonus on people that still have gasoline cars. And let's just be real. A lot of people with electric vehicles, I'm sorry to the people that worked hard and don't make a ton of money that have an EV. I kind of want to be one of those people, but I haven't pulled the trigger yet. But most of those people that get EVs are, you know, pretty high income. And then they, they, they kind of skate by. There is a little bit, I think they do pay I think like a seventy-five or a hundred dollar a year advance advance on their registration. So registration plus another hundred or seventy-five dollars, depending on if it's a hybrid or an EV. Chris, they they do pay extra, but it might mm-hmm. not be it might not be equivalent to what a gas tax would be for you if you're filling up your tank all year. Right, I th- I think you're right that they do uh, pay that amount on the registration, but that again is. You know, it's something that can be examined. What if we just eliminated the gas tax and then allotted money to fix the roads, like in the state budget? 
oh, the roads need this much money to be repaired. I mean, we're doing we're not doing this for schools, right? Like schools where the lacrosse school districts needs one hundred ninety one million dollars for one hundred ninety five million dollars for a new school. Holman and Onalaska are asking for seventy five million for budget, uh, building updates. Uh, we got to update our school buildings. We got to update our roads. Why don't we just put all that stuff in the budget? Lower, eliminate the gas tax, and then that would make gas a lot cheaper too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking of that budget, uh, I, I still don't know how some of these things, you know, especially re- related to the school, how that much money just slips through the slips through the holes, and here we are now needing a bunch of money. Yeah. build a new school because we didn't take care of the other ones. Yeah, the the amount of money I think they get like a, a, some around a million dollars a year to update the buildings, and it's just not enough. And the school district has here in La Crosse has fifteen, I think. I think it has fifteen buildings, and they're all getting pretty old. And then just like when you, when that happens, a million dollars for fifteen buildings just doesn't cut it. Uh, anyone who needs a new roof, like myself. Uh, looks at that bill and goes, okay, well, I'll just push it back till next year and maybe it'll be cheaper or maybe I'll find a better deal or maybe uh, a magic fairy will come and fix my roof for me. So, <laughs> I mean, we all, I think anyone that's a homeowner or, or owns a home or owns a building kind of knows where that is. But yeah, it would be nice to just eliminate all that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, Chris, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks. We'll, we'll have to, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks, if you want to break down the JNA budget, you, which you mentioned to me before the show, uh, we should do that. Yeah. Uh, and I guess if I have a couple, like a minute or two more, I, I don't want to over, overlook the fact of uh, PFAS on French Island. Um, you know, we have, we have people on French Island who can't drink out of their faucets. And that, that's to me is unacceptable. I think the state, need to stop uh, messing around. We don't have any more time for these people over there and uh, either procure some sort of a municipal source that's acceptable to them or help uh, clean up the wells. Yeah, definitely. I I appreciate you bringing that up. It was on my list, but it's buried on the bottom half of that. Thanks a lot. Um, All right, Chris, that's all the time I got. Thanks, dude. All right. Bye. Thanks to Chris Witter for coming on and for all you listening. We'll do it again tomorrow.